by Bushman. 10-5. Touchdown, Cougars! We're two hours away from the kickoff BYU football. Play fake for Wilson. A deep drop. Goes for the back right pylon of the end zone. He's got a touchdown, and the Cougars open up on top. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over 25 years. Cougar Pregame Live is also proudly supported by Ken Garf Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen in Orem. To get you ready for today's battle on the gridiron, let's join the host of Cougar Pregame Live, Ben Bagley. Good evening, BYU fans, and welcome into Cougar Pregame Live. Tonight, an in-state battle for the old wagon wheel as the BYU Cougars travel to Logan to face Utah State at Maverick Stadium. Tonight is the 89th meeting between these two rivals, with BYU holding an all-time lead in the series at 48-37-3. Since 1980, Utah State has only won six games in this rivalry, but, and this is a big but here, the Aggies have won the last two. They've won three of the last five. So it is very fair to say that the Aggies have the attention of the BYU Cougars. As always, I'm joined by Riley Nelson. Riley, as a guy who's seen this rivalry game from both sides of it, what makes this game so special for both teams? Well, I think the history is a lot of what makes it special. There's still a lot of the people, a lot of fans that frequent Lavelle Edwards Stadium and even here in Maverick Stadium who uh, remember the days in the 60s. My grandpa was one of them. Used to tell me, you know, in the 60s and 70s, they never lost to BYU, right? And and then went through <laughs> the time through the 80s and 90s when it was and and 2000s when it was uh, quite uh, quite the opposite. There was ne'er a win to be found for Aggies up here. And then since 2010, the games have been very competitive. And as, as you've just spelled out, the most recent five matchups have been extremely back and forth. So I think the competitive nature, the geographic proximity, and the you know the century-long history between these two programs is what makes it so special. Well, Utah State Aggies filling themselves right now with a two-game win streak in this series. And you brought up the 60s and 70s, the last time BYU or the last time the Aggies won two straight in this series, and actually three straight, was in between 1971 to 1974. They had a four-game winning streak in this rivalry. Since then, they've until this last these last two years haven't been able to put two wins in a row. Yeah, and it's going to be. Uh... It's going to be a difficult task to get three in a row and four of six, and that's for for two reasons. One, I think we have a couple of evenly matched teams coming out tonight. There are some different dynamics that we'll talk over the course of our pregame show that will play into that. But um, the other reason is uh, that this Utah State football team is finding themselves where this BYU football team I think is starting to believe that they were that they've turned their season around at the midpoint and uh, are going to reverse the fortunes from the first six games where they were two and four and starting off the second six one and oh um, would really like to make up for the what they feel was an underperformance in the first half of the season well let's get right to that because that's one of the topics I'm going to get to here and three things you need to know as we look at three storylines from the game today Number one, and we'll get to the one you and I were just talking about in just a second, but the first one I want to get to is the question of the week. Will it be Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney at QB for BYU? I truly believe that uh, either of these two quarterbacks could produce a win because I believe this is going to be an effort. If the Cougars are going to come out of here victorious, it's going to be an effort that's going to come from all three phases. Every time this team has won, this team has won as collectively as a team. It hasn't been on the back of any one individual's performance or individual effort. That said, 
uh, as a guy who liked to run around and was able to, you know, pick up some third downs and help move the offense with my legs, I do think a more mobile quarterback, of course I'm referring to Jaron Hall, buys you a little bit bigger margin of error, right? It can cover a few multiple, uh, a multitude of sins um, and doesn't put as much pressure on the other players in the offense. So I think they're going to go with Jaron Hall for that reason. But no matter who they start, I like the Cougars' chances, assuming they show up on offense, defense, and special teams. Well, Kalani's talking to the smart thing this week. Didn't announce a starter. We'll announce a starter just before game time. That way the Aggies have to prepare for both. Uh, headline number two here, Riley. Can BYU bring the same aggressiveness and variety they brought to the field against Utah State two weeks later, against Boise State two weeks later? I definitely think they can. Boise, one of the reasons for success was Boise was uh, ran – The Cougars saw largely man-to-man coverage through the first five weeks of the season, and we saw receivers struggling to create separation and give uh, open looks to the quarterbacks. Boise came out and played their base defense as a zone defense, the same as this Utah State team. This Utah State team is a base cover three defense. Now, their second most frequented scheme or, or defensive alignment is man to man. So I do expect them to see a little bit more man to man heavy. But regardless of whether they get zone or whether they get man, they need to show the same creativeness and inventiveness. I think they can if they come out with having done their homework and with the right game plan. I think they can have similar success to what they had against Boise two weeks ago. All right, and the final storyline I got here, and this one is so overused when it comes to all the talk shows and media, and it's just it's cliche in sports. But I'm going to use it here for a couple of very of various reasons. Is tonight a must win for BYU? Not just for the season and the rot, but the rivalry, the season, the bowl eligibility, all those stuff that goes into it. Is it a must win for BYU? No question in my mind, and this is what makes it such an intriguing matchup. I, it's a must win just because. Think about the rhetoric that was that was surrounding this BYU football program after that South Florida loss, right? People are saying, is it time to move on from Kalani? And, and, you know, these players, can we really get it done? And there was just, it was such dire, it, such dire circumstances. And there was a glimmer of, you know, they came out against Boise and kind of shocked us all. Now we're all waiting to see, can they put, can they make one and turn it into two? They haven't been able to do that thus far in the season. Every, they've had some three mem- three very memorable wins, but each one has been followed by uh, somewhat of a deflating loss. So I think it is a must-win, as you said, for the rivalry, for this season, and for the program. And one of the reasons I'm so anxious to watch this game is I feel like Utah State feels suffering. They're also coming off the uh, the heels of two deflating straight losses, including you know a beatdown in Colorado Springs, uh, a loss they took at the hands of Utah or at the hands of Air Force. So both teams, I feel like, are coming in with that sentiment. And when that happens, when a clash of two teams come in that have high levels of desperation, we tend to see high uh, you know a highly uh, contested or a highly intense matchup. I think one side note on this for being a must-win is they get a victory tonight. This will be the first time in the Stocky era where the team has won the series, the this season series in rivalry matchups. So that put them two-one over rivals this year, with the sole loss being the one to Utah. So we'll keep an eye on that. Hey, coming up, we'll get to know the foe with the voice of Utah State Aggies, Scott Gerard. But next, we'll hear from Kalani Stocky and James Empey and Cougar Cuts. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
And it's time for Cougar Cuts here on Cougar Pregame Live. The Cougars just wrapped up their second bye week of the season. Kalani Sataki discussed this week if the bye week was beneficial for his team at this point of the season. It all depends how you approach it. I think this bye week we're a little different than what we did last bye week, and so I think the trying to get the result that we want, you have to change things up. But it came at the right time for us to heal up in some positions, but also to get our depth better and get guys some more experience uh, on the practice field and learning their assignments and getting the technique and the fundamentals down, as well as developing others. And so it's part of college football. I'm going to use it, and, and the main goal though is to try to get the result that we want in Logan, and that's what we started with last week. Bye week set two bye weeks this year for BYU. The second bye week came at an interesting time on the heels of that big victory over Boise State. Is it a good time for the bye week right now, Riley, or would it have been nice to have that momentum to carry forward? Yeah, you know, you, the coaches and players don't don't uh, control their schedule. At least a hundred percent don't control it. I think you know the coach with Tom and the administration they have some input on it. I would have liked to see them spaced out a little bit more, but your schedule is what your schedule is. Uh, when they're a little bit more spaced out, it kind of gives you two separate opportunities to heal up, as Kalani mentioned, and it does give you the chance to roll uh, momentum from the Boise game into the next week. Now, that said, one of the first comments when Kalani came up to the booth for the postgame coaches show with us after that Boise win was, I'm glad we get to play Utah State coming off a bye because the last two years <laughs> when Utah State has gotten the best of BYU, they have been coming off a bye. So BYU will be have had that much more preparation and will be that much more healthy. They call that a trend. We'll see if that trend continues this year, but in the BYU favor. After such a strong performance in the victory over Boise, Coach Sataki talked about how to make that type of play the new normal and not just a singular one-off thing. I think that's college football consistency, and that's every level, really. I think uh, every coach is trying to find a way to be great consistently, and, and for us to be at that level, it's taking some time, and you're dealing with a lot of different factors that go into it. So right now, at this moment, is what every football coach is talking about, trying to find a way to, to perform at a high level and do it over and over week to week. Winning is really hard. You guys, when you're functioning with uh, getting a team ready and you're doing de- dealing with a lot of different factors that go into the variables of trying to get a win, uh, that, that becomes that becomes hard. But, you know, that's what we're committed to do, and, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad we got an extra week to prepare and try to be as consistent as we were against Boise State and looking forward to, you know, even with that performance and the win, there are a lot of things that we could have done better in that game, too, and, and a lot of things that we could have done to help ourselves uh, earn the win earlier and not have to come down to you know, going for it at the end. We talked about consistency in the first segment, Riley, but when you look at this and what Kalani and, and the team was able to do against Boise, what did you see in that play that, that gave you hope that that is something that can be carried forward going forward? Well, I think what I saw was a lot of stuff that was changed from just an approach to offense and approach to defense, right? Those intangible things where there's just more aggressiveness. There was more risk-taking. There seemed to be a greater tolerance to, uh, you know, go big or go home, which those things – you can plug and play players because those all are the umbrella under the individual players. Now, it's important for everyone out there in Cougar Nation and for all of us to realize that it is it is extremely hard to be consistent even when you have the same 22 guys going out there and playing. This BYU team is one that's experienced, as we know, three starting quarterbacks, the loss of their most productive offensive player in Tyson Williams, and so they've been trotting out significantly different teams each week, and so that makes the challenge to become a consistently performing football team that much more difficult and uh but i feel like listening to kalani there and i personally feel like they are as 
in as good a spot as they have been up to this point in the season to really build on last week and create that consistency that hopefully can carry them through the second half. One of the things will be interesting to see if it's consistent going forward was the changes in the co- way where coaches were placed last week with Jeff Grimes on the sidelines instead of in the booth. Center James Empey talked about the benefit of having Grimes on the sideline. Coach Grimes, he uh, he's kind of like a, the O-line guru, you know. He's kind of he knows a lot of stuff about it, and um, so that helps our, our unit, especially. We got another set of ears and eyes out there close by, but uh, it also helps with the offense because. Um, he's good at kind of rallying everybody around and, and getting things going, and so it was just cool to have his presence on the sideline. Riley, why was that change so successful two weeks ago against Boise? Because you need you need enough coaches on the sideline. You need two things. You need coaches who are down there coaching up the position, right? Hey, on that play, the technique was a little off. We needed to have performed this way, or, hey, we needed to check and make that call. But you also need coaches who are down there setting the emotional tone, right? They're getting, making sure guys are locked in, making sure they're intense, making sure they're going there, out there series after series, uh, playing with intensity, focus, and execution. And so I think last week when Grimes went down, that allowed the coaching staff to have a little bit more of that balance between the emotional side of the game and the intellectual, and it, it paid dividends for them on the field. And lastly, we'll wrap this up with another quote from Kalani Sataki as he talked about what makes Utah State such a formidable opponent. They're a dangerous team, and offensive, defensively, they create they create havoc on defense and create turnovers, and we have to take care of the football and, and be mindful of that. At the same time, we have to stop a, 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 one of the best quarterbacks in college football, Jordan Love, and he, he's, he, he's got a strong arm. He can sling the ball, so and he has a lot of great targets to go to. So... That mixed with a, a, a good core running backs. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough task, but we're ready for it and looking forward to the, the, the opportunity to play against them. Kalani goes very coach-speak here, talking about some of the talent that Utah State has, has, and they do have a lot of talent, but in a game like this, talent aside, it's just that these two teams get up to play each other so much. No question they do, and Utah State is a program that has their back, that feels backed into a corner and is playing with their backs against the wall, which is exactly where BYU felt as a program. When you listen to those players in the week leading up to Boise and, in the, in, and then in the postgame comments, you knew they were out there playing for each other um, because they had to, because no one else, you know, everyone else was, if they hadn't jumped ship already, they were about to. That's where Utah State is here. So you, you have you have those dynamics at play, as well as what is going to be a hostile environment up here in Logan and Maverick Stadium. So it is a challenge. To me, this is, look, every Saturday I get juiced. I don't care who it is. I get juiced <laughs> up to come to the stadium and watch the Cougars play football, but especially tonight because I think we're in. We're going to be in for a dogfight. You get 12 or 13 of these each year, so you've got to cherish and enjoy every one of them. No question. Hey, coming up, coming up, Jason Shepard sits down with BYU defensive back and scrum formation specialist Austin Kofensis and Shep Talk. But next, we'll get to know the foe with Aggie play-by-play voice Scott Gerard. More Cougar pregame live after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back into Cougar pregame live. It's time to get to know the foe. We're joined by play-by-play voice of the Utah State Aggies, Scott Gerard. Scott, how are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm just having flashbacks to, uh, I don't know, Riley, was it, was it Fresno State and a pass maybe in this corner here to Kevin Robinson for a touchdown? 
Two of them. Two One of them. was in that corner, offensive pass interference. Yes. And then we came back to the other corner of the end zone. Kenneth Robinson, a great teammate of mine, special player. But, yeah, that was back in 2006, so yep. 13 years ago. 13 years ago. And then, uh, obviously, go on to do great things at BYU. But, uh, look, you know, the Nelson family is uh, certainly well thought of here in Cash Valley, and it's good to have you back, my friend. Good to be on and good to be sharing the airwaves with you. I had a fun little uh, stint with you and Hans <laughs> earlier this week. That was uh, to be fun on your show. And good to have you back here on our pregame show. Well, it, it's good. And, Ben, uh, good to chat with you as well. As uh, I think we're all anticipating one heck of a game tonight. Well, I'm, absolutely. We, we, Riley and I were talking about the first couple of segments. Utah State coming in on a two-game winning streak. The first time they've had a streak of such since the early 70s. And it's one of those things where – through the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s, I don't know that this game really put a blip on the radar for BYU, but now the Aggies have the full attention of the Cougars because you, I've heard it from players and coaches down here all week. We can't make it three in a row. What has been the tone in the Utah State practices and media availabilities this week from players and coaches? Well, I think it, it became very different after that game against Air Force because, you know, this team really felt comfortable about who they were. You know, they, they lose a tough one to Wake Forest that, frankly, was theirs to be had. If they get one more first down, they win that game. And then LSU, you're always going to, you know, nobody's going into Death Valley and winning uh, this year. They're just a special team. Uh, but then when they lost to Air Force, I think there was a, a lot of uh, soul-searching, and I think it's more about them than it is BYU because all of a sudden you realize, well, maybe this team isn't quite as good as we thought they might be. Maybe they've got some things they need to work on. And so it's been – but, you know, I think BYU is kind of good for what for what ails you in that regard because you realize in an emotional rivalry game like this, you have to fix things very, very quickly because this uh, this crowd up here has become accustomed to playing very good games against, against BYU and winning some of those games against BYU. And uh, if they come up here and they play like they did against Air Force against BYU, then it's going to be a long day, and uh, the natives are going to be very, very restless. So it's been a uh, it's been a long week in terms of soul searching and trying to fix things uh, going into a big game tonight. Scott, the first time Gary Anderson was here, obviously he's in the first year of his second stint, but the first time he placed extreme emphasis on the rivalries, yeah. and they they were fortunate enough back in those days they actually played Utah and they beat him. I yep. was at that game here as they uh, as Utah State was able to beat Utah, and then a couple years later he he of course. Uh, broke the trend, the long trend of BYU beating Utah State, and he was able to get a win. Matt Wells was able to get two during his time. Now that he's back, is has he reestablished that that great emphasis on this football game, or is he more like some other programs where they're like, ah, you know, we want to play well, but really it's about winning our conference and our division and playing for a conference championship? He, he will not shy away from this rivalry, and I think there's some people out here and that will say, well, you know, it's about the com-. and it is, frankly. I mean, the Boise State game in the grand scheme of things will be a bigger game in terms of your goals of winning a conference in BYU. But make no mistake, I mean, this is the biggest game uh, for, for Utah State fans. They love this game. They love everything about it. They love the fact that they've uh, even the gap between the two teams. It means so much. I mean, you're a Cash Valley guy. You know how much uh, how much the, this game means to this community. And so, yeah, Gary's embraced that. He'd love to get Utah back on the schedule as well. Like, he wants to play these in-state games as much as possible, and he knows how important it is for his program. You look at Jordan Love so far this season, Scott, and here's here's a guy who came into the, the season, high expectations, even some Heisman hopes. He's third all-time at Utah State in passing yards and completions. And a bunch of, I mean, his name's all over in, in the record books at Utah State. But especially in the last three games, he struggled with his completion percentages and getting that offense going. Is this just a blip for Jordan Love, or is there some serious concern there? 
I think there's there's cause for concern there, but I think it's bigger than just Jordan Love. I think you've got an offensive line that is extremely young and inexperienced, and they suffered an injury probably to their best offensive lineman on that right tackle position who's out for the year. Uh, and so there's, there is reasonable cause for concern about the offense overall. Jordan Love... Uh, when the pocket is clean and his wide receivers uh, are able to get separation, is one heck of a quarterback like a lot of other quarterbacks would be. But when the pressure's on, especially interior pass rush, is where he struggles. When his center gets pushed backwards, and of course Kyrus Tong is one of the best in the country when it comes to that, then that really throws off the timing of this offense. That's something to keep an eye on tonight. Uh, the running game hasn't been great. They put up some good yardage, but it's in chunk yardage form. Uh, you know, it'll be one, two, 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 sixty, and then back to one, two, two. This isn't a team that has shown the ability to have long 14, 15 play drives to go down the field and score. They're abysmal in the red zone so far in terms of scoring touchdowns, and I think that's also in turn with the uh, running game. So running game hasn't been great. Offensive line hasn't been great. If they can get those two areas up to speed, I think you'll see uh, the Jordan Love of old start to return. Scott, let's go to the other side of the ball where I think this Aggie team, early on when, like, for example, the Colorado State game, that was one where the defense was the one making the plays yeah, and producing yep. the poor and really setting up the offense and and I guess held their own for as long as you mentioned LSU and the challenge and the special year that they're having. But they're coming off the heels of a game where it was essentially keep away, yeah, right? 45-plus yeah. minutes, Air, so- Air Force was able to f- possess the football. And really when you – the triple option and and the uh, armed forces, uh, the the academies, present their own unique challenges. But anytime that happens, regardless of who it is, you know, you as a defense can't get yourself off the field. It might, you know, set in some doubt or some question marks. What has the approach been? Are, are there, is this Utah State team worried about their defense, that they might be slipping? Do they think it's a momentary blip? And what do they expect to come out and do here against BYU? I think they got schemed horribly against Air Force. Air Force took advantage of a lot of things. Take that Air Force game out, they've been pretty good defensively this year. I think that it, the offense I don't think is a blip. I think there, there are reasonable concerns with that offense. Defensively, I'm going to chalk that Air Force game up to not being prepared for that scheme, uh, not being ready for whatever reason, being out physical. I don't think – I think they'll be much better defensively in this game tonight. The offense, big concern. If, if they don't play well defensively tonight, then I think there's a cause for concern. But uh, overall, I think this defense is still in a pretty good place uh, with some pretty good weapons to it too. Scott, let's get you out of here on this note. If you've seen the Aggies play all this year. You know what to expect. You know when this th- things are going good for Utah State. What is something you're looking forward for from this Aggie team early on in the game that's going to tell you, okay, we've got their A game tonight? Um, I would look at turnovers. Six out of the last seven games in this series, the team that has won the turnover margin has won the game with that seventh game being in 2016 when it was a push. So I would say turnovers are your number one thing. Utah State feasted off that Tipanali interception last year and just and steamrolled after that. Um, you go back to you know, some of the big games that BYU's won, they've gotten the early turnovers. Early turnovers are going to be key. And then which team, because you're looking at two of the worst teams in the country in scoring touchdowns in the red zone, I think both teams can go from the 20 to the 20. Which is, which teams kicks field goals and which team scores touchdowns? Uh, I know that's kind of a simplistic way of looking at it, Riley, but I think that's kind of a big key in this one. Yeah, most definitely, I'd agree. And uh, I, that's how I felt this whole week kind of coming in. Uh, I really think this is going to be a game in the fourth quarter, and I know this might be a little bit of a pessimistic view, but I really think it's going to come down to who makes that fatal mistake late yeah. in the ball game yep. uh, that's going to swing it one way or the other. 
Well, Scott, appreciate your time. Looking forward to a great game tonight at Maverick Stadium there in Logan. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Ben. Yes, it is. Jason Shepard goes one-on-one with Austin Kofensis coming up later on in Shep Talk. But, in fact, that's coming up next. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Ben Bagley. This is Cougar Pregame Live. I am Ben Bagley, Riley Nelson live at Maverick Stadium in Logan. We'll get back to Riley with his QB reads and coming up in just a second. But first, it's time for Shep Talk. Jason Shepard sat down with Austin Confensis earlier this week. Confensis, an interesting trail to get to BYU. He started his collegiate career after being recruited to Wisconsin by now Aggie head coach, then Badger head coach, Gary Anderson. Here's Jason Shepard with Austin Confensis. How's practice gone this week? I know you guys have had extra time because of the bye week, but you guys kind of really ramped up this week for Utah State? Uh, last week, I think the difference between last week and the other weeks that we've had is we really focused on fundamentals, you know, taking a step back, working on the little things that we worked on in camp, uh, just kind of honing in on those. Because sometimes when you're in the season, you can get caught up in preparing for a team. So you're just worrying about, you know, your game plan and what you're going to do against them. But when you have a bye week, you can kind of slow things down a little bit. You know, in special teams, we just did drills. We didn't do necessarily, like, actual plays and stuff. So, I mean, the only difference really was working on fundamentals, getting better. But each and every day, every practice we have, we usually try and get better, and that's our focus uh, every every practice. So nothing specifically that was too different other than just take a step back, focus on fundamentals. One of the benefits of being an independent is you have the opportunity to schedule a second bye. Yeah. Do you guys like that? Is it... Especially this season, do you think it was beneficial for you guys to have that second bye? Yeah, this is the first time I've had two byes in a, in a season, which is kind of crazy. Um, the bye weeks are nice, but that makes you, like, that much more hungry. Like, you know, you got, you're practicing every day in pads, and people start taking each other to the ground. And it gets chippy, and you're just ready to play. So I think in that aspect, when you have a bye week, everyone's just that much more hungry to, to play that next game. And, um, you know, people's bodies are able to rest a little bit. So having the bye week is nice. Um, But, of course, you want to get out there and play every Saturday because you're sitting on the couch and you're watching everyone else in college football playing. So it makes it tough, but it's also nice to relax a little bit and, you know, watch the team that you're going to play and just kind of get rest your body up. I know this is probably one of those, well, of course it would be this way, but I have to imagine coming off of a win and having the bye week, that just makes things so much easier for you guys to deal with having the two weeks off before a game when you're coming off a especially not just a win but a really impressive win yeah definitely I mean this week and last week we had a lot of juice in practice you know everyone was ready to go we were ready to practice no one was down you know it's how it should be every week but I I felt energy in the practices especially today I felt like the defense was flying around I know the offense has been doing their part over there but defensively uh, everyone's flying around everyone's juiced celebrating plays we've been having a big a bunch of big plays so it's nice when you come off a win because you you have that two weeks to absorb it but at the same time you know you have to have a short 
short memory because win or loss, you still got an, an opponent the next game or in the next week. So you got to focus on that and kind of move past it and just try and work on what you didn't succeed the last week. How much can that feeling, you mentioned the juice and everybody just re- being amped, how much can that translate into a good performance on Saturday? I mean, everyone always says it, you know, you practice how you play. When you when you come out here on the field and you start bringing juice to practice and you're flying around, when you, you're out in the game, you're not thinking as much and you're just, everything's, you know, you're zoned in, you're locked in. That's that's what you try and achieve here on practice is you want to bring the ju- juice. That's sometimes the hardest thing to do is come out to practice and simulate like it's a game. But when you can do that and you can achieve that, when you go out on the field on Saturday, then it makes it that much easier. Things are clicking a lot faster. Everything's just kind of, seems to be going your way, and it makes it a lot more fun, and that's why we're all playing is you know to have fun and go out there and support the Y and rep the name on our backs and everything. You know That's why everyone's playing just – for the love of the game so are you surprised that we're almost four minutes into this interview and i have yet to mention the word scrum yeah i was kind of i was kind of hoping <laughs> or expecting i guess you to you to say scrum because that's how it's been but i mean how many people honestly because i know from the media perspective you've been asked a ton of questions about it how many people come up to you and ask you about the scrum play every interview that i've had scrum has been brought up that's for sure and then people on the outside like they ask about they don't know exactly if it's scrum i mean if they're following but people that like follow know the scrum package and they're always bringing it up to me and you know because it's what been a year and we put it in three weeks before the utah game last year so it's been in almost a you know a full season which is kind of crazy but you know it's been a good little uh thing to have in times that we've needed it and that's all the coaching and all the players that are on that team. They're all making it happen. You know, I'm just the guy that happens to be grabbing the ball, but they're all the ones doing the work. You've had a unique career here at BYU, being at so many different positions. How would you describe your career as a BYU Cougar? Anything I can do to get on the field and help the team out, you know, whether it's I started at, at offense, moved over to defense, played special teams. You know, I've kind of moved around in the defenses depending on different packages that we've had and stuff. So I'm just, you know, just trying to get out there, do what I can to help this team out because I know I can contribute. Um, but we got a lot of great guys on this team, and I'm just more than happy to say I'm, I'm a Cougar and, you know, I've been a Cougar for the past three years, and I'm just excited for the rest of the season because we are coming off a big win, and, you know, it's only up from here, and we just got to – take care of our business and focus each and every day and watch film and get better. I know that winning the rivalry games, especially the in-state rivalry games, one of the team's goals, as a local kid, as somebody from the state, do these mean more to you than maybe somebody that's from California or somebody else because you know what these mean? Yeah, I mean, not only that is I so my stepbrother goes to Utah State, runs track up or yeah, up there, and then I have a bunch of friends that have graduated from Utah State. So, you know, you always have those little conversations when you come back on breaks or whatever, and you're always, you know, going back and forth on the games and the season and how it's going to go. So it means a lot to in-state kids just because you have a lot of connections up there. If I mean, most people do, I assume. Riley Burt's on the team. You know, we got a lot of ex-Cougars over there. So... It does make it uh, a little more special, but at the same time, we just got to focus on ourselves and, you know, play our game and not worry about what the opponent's doing as much as what we need to do. Uh, And once we do that, then, you know, I think 
the sky's the limit. We just got to continue to improve. What do you make of this matchup against this Utah State offense? And I know you said the focus is on you guys. Yeah. What do you think is important for you guys to focus on against what they do? They get a lot of plays in, and they, they have a up-tempo offense, so we just got to be flying around. You know, when, when the ball gets tackled, you got to get up and get in your position and make sure you're getting the calls and everything. You know, that's one of the biggest things is if you're watching film, a lot of guys or other past defenses haven't been in position to make plays because they're, they're going so fast. So I think the main thing we've got to focus on is flying around, having a lot of juice, you know, uh, making sure that we are getting lined up and getting in position, just kind of fundamentals, lineman assignment, right? So that's the main thing. Um, they're a good coach team. You know, Coach Anderson's over there. They have some great athletes on offense and on defense, and we just got to continue to work hard. You know, we'll see what happens on Saturday. All right, Austin, let's wrap things up with the final four questions. Your favorite athlete growing up was who? Uh, Bo Jackson. Very, and is it still Bo Jackson, your yeah. favorite athlete? Yeah, especially since they came out with that ESPN 30 for 30, I'd probably have to say Bo Jackson. Yeah. So now I, I'm curious, why Bo Jackson? Because that's that's not necessarily like a, a recent player. Why Bo? Just because of what he was able to do as the two-sport athlete? Yeah, I think that's I mean, you were, you asked favorite athlete, yeah. so I mean, that's the dude. That, yeah, that's a dude that did too, and that's at the highest level, and he came in and he did a good job at both of them, so... I mean, and not only that, if you watch the 30 for 30, the man can, like, he bowls 300s. He can shoot an arrow with his feet, like, backwards, I think, if you watch this. So he's, there's a lot of stuff he can do, and it's just, I don't know, I think it's awesome that you can be able to do a lot of stuff and be great at it. I was a huge Bo Jackson fan girl. I even had the Bono's T-shirt when I was, like, in junior high. So, okay, next question. Last movie you saw in a movie theater was what? Ooh, oh, I just saw The Joker this past weekend, so I went and saw that. And? I thought it was good. I mean, it was it was different. It was slow at the beginning, but I I mean I thought it was pretty. I thought he did a really good job of acting it out. So I, I'm I was pleased with it. Yeah. All right, there we go. Thumbs up for Joker <laughs> from Austin Confences. All right, question number three. You can go on anywhere on vacation. Where are you going? I'd probably go to Greece. That's I'm Greek, so yeah. I gotta go. I gotta go check it out and see what the name comes from. <laughs> Greece, that would be good. We can go see Jimmer. He's yeah. over there right uh, now. Yeah. Uh, and last question. What does it mean to you to wear the Y? It means everything to be able to put the Y on, you know, my jersey and be able to rep it and go around and wear all my gear. It's it's nothing I would have expected. I didn't think it was going to happen this way. It did, and I'm very happy that I'm able to rep it and you know tell all my friends that are Ute fans that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a cougar. You can say whatever you want, but I'm not going to sway the other way. So it means everything in the world to be a a cougar. Awesome. Thanks so much. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you. That's Jason Shepard with Austin Confenses. And I'll tell you what, Austin Confenses just took a step up in my book. If Bo Jackson's his favorite all-time athlete, that's a guy who knows his athletes. There's no doubt about it. Hey, coming up in just a moment, we'll visit with the voice, Greg Rebell. That's in about 10 minutes. But next, we'll get our QB read with Riley. You're tuned in to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. Welcome back into Cougar Pregame Live. I'm Ben Bagley, live from the Provo studios of BYU Radio and from Maverick Stadium. Riley Nelson joins us. And Riley, it's time for your QB read. And we're going to set this up this way. This is cliche because we love cliches. I was going to go David Bowie and Freddie Mercury under pressure, but I'm going to go a different direction here. It's pressure makes diamonds out of pieces of coal. And in this game tonight, 
There's pressure on the Cougars. We talked earlier about this being a must-win game. There's pressure on the Aggies bouncing back after a couple of disappointing games. There's lots of pressure going around and this pressure of a rivalry game. So, Riley, tell me how pressure affects the result of this game. So pressure is one of my favorite aspects when it comes to high-level sports. And it's one, quite honestly, I, I remember feeling pressure in Little League games, right, against our crosstown rivals or when we got into the playoffs and all those things so much so. And maybe there's some, uh, you know, former uncle, some Uncle Ricos out there like me who remember things like, I remember feeling so much pressure gagging on my, being back there to receive a kick in sixth grade and gagging on my mouth guard thinking <laughs> I was going to, you know, going to hurl on the field, right? But that's good. And you get exposed to that. There's very few mediums through which you get exposed to that. But the reality is life's going to throw that at you. One of the reasons I love sports in general, but especially the game of football is it's a microcosm for life. And so as pressure, uh, w- when we talk about dealing with pressure, it's really an interesting thing that you you have to learn to deal with and manage as a football player. There's internal pressure, which is the pressure you put on yourself, the pressure of you know your teammates and all of that that's in that's inside the team. And then there's pressure, which is expectations from fans and storylines going on about you in the media and all that. And one insight that I found a few years ago, uh, many listeners out there will maybe the name Malcolm Gladwell. He wrote books such as The Tipping Point or Outliers, and he had another one a few years ago called David and Goliath. He's one of these, you know, Harvard Ivy League East Coasters who takes uh, seemingly everyday concepts and kind of deconstructs them. And one of his was the favorite versus the underdog. And he says, we all love to cheer for the underdog, but the reality is we should all be cheering for the favorite because the favorite is one who has everything to lose. The underdog comes in with no expectations, and if they don't meet that expectation, there really is nothing at stake. The favorite comes in with all of the pressure heaped on them, all of the expectation, and if they do lose, it's catastrophic to their reputation and to their performance. So. That's why it's so important to manage pressure because you're not always going to be one role or the other. Sometimes you're going to be the favorite. Sometimes you're going to be the underdog. But one story that uh, I have out there for the listeners, I had the opportunity to work a little bit with John Beck back when he was, uh, of course, you know, of BYU fame, one of the one of the all-time greats and uh, graduated in 2006. And you'll see his name up there in the record books alongside Young, Detmer, and McMahon and Hall, but I had the opportunity when I was a quarterback at BYU to go down and train uh, with John Beck in San Diego, and at the time, that's uh, just by happenstance, I happened to be at a training where Drew Brees was there, and they were discussing this pressure. Drew Brees had thrown a pick six in a vital position or in a vital point in the game in the previous season. Of course, we're in the offseason, and he still could not let it go, and they were kind of working through together as a bunch of NFL quarterbacks, and one of them brought up the idea like, look, you have to acknowledge the worst case scenario right so they were talking about this particular play so the worst case scenario on this particular play you're right is a pick six it's you throw it it gets intercepted and the guy runs it back for a touchdown and it causes your team to lose so acknowledge the worst case scenario and then make friends with it that's one of those ways that you manage pressure is you manage pressure by understanding that yes we can do that but it doesn't cause fear it doesn't cause the fight or flight response the elevated pressure it caused you to get cognitively distracted you have to you know that that's a possibility, but you're able to perform in spite of it. And part of the way that you are able to do that is through repetition, through study of your opponent, and then ultimately through having competitive greatness, which is that you know that if you've prepared and you go out on that field and you give your best effort, that 
that no, regardless of the outcome, you are going to be able to sleep well at night. Now, that doesn't mean that losses don't hurt, but they don't eat at you for weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years. So the reason why I bring that up is in this rivalry game, there, BYU felt immense pressure last season, right? Coach, there was a lot of talk out there about their coach's reputation, and even some would have said his, his job was you know, be, being p- pulled into question. And this team, just for the 2019 team and the 2019 roster, was out there. They didn't want to be a failure. They didn't want to be you know, known as one of the few teams in recent memory that w- wasn't able to qualify and become eligible for a bowl game. And so they've been able to – they made – friends with that worst case scenario last week and we're okay with it and you came out and saw a loose instinctive athletic aggressive performance against BYU now two weeks late you know on the back of a bye week they come up into a hostile environment another where they're facing even more pressure man we can't let it be three in a row against our rivals we're on the road it's a late start it's 20 something degrees up here so hopefully BYU takes those lessons they learned in prepping for BYU, have been able to uh, build upon those during the, the two bye weeks and come out here and acknowledge the pressure, but rather than having it be debilitating, it's actually elevating to their performance. Well, that's interesting because I, I think as you're talking about pressure and responding to pressure, I think we learned a lot about this BYU team and the way that they responded to that pressure because it was a low point after the loss and, USF, but they turn around and they bounce back against not just a, not just any team. It was a top twenty-five team. Yes, it was at home, but this is a team that you haven't had success in Boise State. That you haven't had success against in, in recent recent history. Yet you go out and you play one of the best games that this team's played in the last couple of years, and really really dominated outside the fourth quarter of that game. It wasn't as close as it really kind of came out to be. And so they responded well. I think we learned about it. But going to one of the other themes of the, the show so far is consistency. I think we'll learn a lot about them today because now they're going up against another rival at Utah State on the road. And neither team's really a favorite going into this. But there's expectations to kind of continue that success. So we'll learn how the pressure of continuing that success and how this Cougar team responds. No question. And, Ben, I want to highlight something that you brought up, and that was fourth-quarter performance. They let Toledo and USF slip in the fourth quarter, and luckily they were, went into the fourth quarter with an 18-point lead and held on for dear life, right? It came down to fourth and inches on your own 35, where essentially if you do not convert, you are giving the team that it was almost a guarantee that game was going in in overtime and probably a high likelihood that you lose it in the final two minutes. That is a place I spent a lot of time in, during the QB read talking about the kind of macro levels of pressure pressure within a game there are different third down is a pressure play right scoring opportunities so field goals and red zone those are pressure opportunities and the fourth quarter is definitely one that's one where the last three games BYU maybe that pressure's gotten to them a little bit they've been able to show on a macro level they can handle it hopefully they can bring it down to a micro level and deal with the pressure in the fourth quarter and show us a different performance than they have the previous three weeks yes but even inside that fourth quarter going back to the lecture we just got from Professor Nelson which was fantastic on pressure they played that fourth down scenario where they, they, they made peace with the worst case scenario, which was turning it over, giving Boise the ball in scoring position, and says, forget about it. We're just going to go be us, and we're going to try, try to convert on this third, fourth down. And they did, and that's where the success came in. I think there's a lesson learned in that as well. No question. I love that attitude, and I think that's one that's going to carry this BYU football team to much success in the second half of this program. And that's like, look, man, if we don't do it here, it, it's go for broke. If we don't do it here – 
we're going we are we already are what everyone thought we were and that's a disappointment right so we might as well go for the home run we might as well go for the knockout we might as well you know put the try and put this team to sleep because if we don't if we play it safe and we punt you know and they come down and score it we're, we're already in that position anyway so let's just do it so that was a great yeah ben you said it you boiled all their whole entire attitude down to one play and um like i said now it's time to build on that only you can shift the paradigm that's the lesson we learned here and speaking of paradigm shifts we'll shift next with greg rebel who joins us coming up as we visit with the voice next on the new skin byu sports network This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. It is Cougar Pregame Live. I am Ben Bagley, Riley Nelson, and Greg Rebell at Maverick Stadium in Logan. We'll get to those guys in just one second, but coming up a little bit later, Mitch Jor- Mitchell Jurgens will also join me. We'll get his view from the sidelines. And you'll hear from Utah State head coach Gary Anderson, who Scott Gerard brought it up earlier in the program, the fact that one of the weaknesses for Utah State with Jordan Love is when the middle of that pocket collapses and he invoked the name Kyrus Tonga. I asked Gary Anderson about Kyrus Tonga individually. Wait to hear what he has to say about the BYU nose tackle. But right now it's time for a visit with The Voice. Joining us right now, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. Greg, how are you? Good, Ben. Welcome back to you in the studio. Yes, where it's, it's probably warmer than it is in Logan. You know, uh, we, we, I, I've spent a lot of time uh, out of doors in the last hour or so at field <laughs> level. And, and, yeah, it's brisk, right? But there's no wind whatsoever. Skies are clear. And when you're down and you're in it and you're bundled up a little bit, you don't really feel much. And I know the guys, once they get going, working up a sweat, I don't see weather being any kind of factor tonight. Yes, it'll be cold by the number on the thermometer, but the other factors that make it feel colder, precipitation, wind, just n- are not present right now. So, all things considered, kind of a perfect night, although really cold here in Logan tonight. Well, as my as my high school football coach up in Cash Valley used to always say, it's a great day for football. But he said that every day. Uh, let's talk. So little- did Mark Lyons. <laughs> yes, he did. That's right. <laughs> hey, let's talk a little bit about this game tonight. Let's start with some of the personnel question marks for BYU. Starts at quarterback. You got the offensive line. There's defensive injuries. They had the bye week to get guys right and healthy. What do we know going into this game? We know the plan is to start to Jaron Hall at quarterback. Uh, when Jaron uh, last played, he was the starter. He was at South Florida. He gets knocked out of that game. And then, of course, never cleared protocol. So that's why we saw uh, uh, we saw Baylor Romney in the last game. Well, Baylor Romney will serve as the backup to begin tonight's game. At least that's the plan. As of right now, start Jaron Hall at quarterback. Have both guys available to play. So Jaron is back, and that's good news. Also good news, the return of uh, Keanu Saliapanga. Last time we saw Keanu, he was playing right tackle. Well, since Keanu's gone out, kid named Blake Freeland set up at right tackle and played pretty darn well. Uh, the six foot eight, two 280-plus-pound freshman will stay at right tackle even though Keanu is back, so the versatile Keanu Saliaponga will go to left guard. So expect to see an O-line consisting of Christensen, Saliaponga, Empey, Herring, and Freeland left to right across the front. It uh, looks like Emmanuel Asupa is back and able to go. Uh, last game BYU played, Soup was uh, hampered by a toe injury and only got in for a single snap. 
and uh, Isupa is doing better. So a uh, full complement of uh, Isupa, Katoa, and Sione Finau with uh, Jackson McChesney, who's yet to take an offensive snap, being the fourth back available for BYU. Defensively, a couple of knocks. Uh, we'll see Keenan Peely not available tonight, and Lorenzo Fawatea won't be available to play either. So a couple of defensive guys down, but BYU's kind of been uh, – you know, running guys in and out on defense all year. And so uh, the, the the war of attrition has resulted in greater depth, I guess you could say, is the positive glint on that. And so you won't see a couple of important uh, defensive players for BYU that way. But we're getting closer to seeing uh, Troy Warner back on the field. And so uh, Troy Warner's return, we believe, is imminent when he actually plays or takes a defensive snap. Uh, time will tell, but he's getting there. Greg, uh, one of the biggest topics of conversation as we all know you know a lot of people like to talk about that Boise game and we've had two weeks of opportunity to be able to do it the one of the biggest topics of conversation for me was people loved the, seeing the two sacks and the five tackles for loss and all of the opportunities that the defense took to be more aggressive and make life hard on the Boise quarterback do we do you get a sense that we expect to see the same thing here tonight as this Cougar defense pay, faces Jordan Love that they try and mess up his timing and make life difficult by bringing some heat you know, I almost feel underqualified to answer that one, Riley, compared to your perspective. Um, I, I, I just don't know that Jordan Love has maybe looked like the guy I thought he would be this year uh, from last year to this. I don't know what your perspective is on this, but, but he's um, maybe taken a half step back and maybe even more so. I mean, his pass efficiency rating is down 40 full points from last year. Uh, he does have more picks than INTs, right? Or more, more more picks than touchdowns at this point, and, and he's not um, the running threat that say Jaron Hall is either. He can't really bail things out. He can make the occasional run, but that's not his strong suit either. He's a little more prototypical in terms of a next level NFL quarterback, right? In terms of sit in the pocket and pick you apart, but he hasn't been doing maybe as much as that as I thought he might be doing this season. You look at this BYU team. You talk about getting that bye week, getting him a little bit healthier. One one of the names that you brought up that I thought was really really kind of a big. Boon for BYU outside. Outside, I think O line health is is paramount to this team. Having Emmanuel Supa back, I think, is a big deal, especially in this game because it is going to be a physical game, and he's a guy who and, and nothing against Finau and Katoa, but of the three of those three guys, Supa is a guy who can lower the boom and be more of that physical back in the third fourth quarter of a game. Yeah, 43 carries on the year still leads the active guys. BYU's leader is still uh, Tyson Williams when it comes to all meaningful categories, but after Tyson, uh, still Asup is sitting right there at number two and carries on the year. Now, no one for BYU other than Sione Finau is really putting out an eye-popping yards per carry number right now. I take a look at Utah State's number two, uh, number one and number two backs, and they're averaging a 5.3 Gerald Bright and 6.4 Jalen Warren yards per tote. And uh, BYU's got Lopini at around four, Soup at around four. There's Sione Fino at 6.4 yards per carry now. Granted, it's modest usage, only 18 carries so far this season. But as he showed in that 46-yard scamper against Boise State, good burst from Finau. So uh, I'm sure BYU would like to see the number closer to where it is for Utah State's two good backs in Bright and Warren. And those guys have been really, really good too. I, th- I think there's a lot of maybe false impressions left from the Air Force game. That was just a bad night. I mean, every team, it seems like, <laughs> is almost given a bad night a year. And, and that was probably Utah State's where nothing looked right. Uh, but I think they're better than that. And I, I think the ground game in particular is better than that. I mean, they only had the ball, what, 13 and a half minutes yeah. in Colorado Springs? Just a ridiculous number. Now, it does lower them to 100, 130th overall, dead last in possession time. But they were already kind of struggling that way to begin with. That just put kind of an exclamation point on it. So uh, Utah State is the only team in the country, guys, with a possession time average of under 25 minutes per game. 
everyone else is at least and BYU even though it's not great is still well above that in terms of actual minutes on the clock and so Utah State's big challenge is to really just keep Jordan Love and those guys moving sticks which really struggled last week uh, in, in the Springs. Greg you've seen this rivalry go from where it was an automatic chalk up win to one where it has all of BYU during your time as broadcaster and you know obviously as uh you know, being involved in the program, even as a student at BYU, you've seen it go from that into recent years where it's a game that most, when we see it on the schedule as we're in the in anticipation for the season, it becomes a swing game. What t- Talk a little bit to that transformation and the dynamics of how you think we got here and what, you know, how excited you might be for it going forward. Well, I guess what I'm most curious about right now is to see um, how this thing drops off, if it does, from, from, from Matt Wells back to Gary Anderson. Now, Gary, I think, coached, uh, I think four games against BYU won one of them. So he was one and three. That's not, and that's more in line with the historical trends all time. So under Gary, it was kind of where it was. Matt Wells, I thought, brought it to a different level. Now they're going somewhere else, and I want to see how it continues. Because if you go back even a little farther, yes, Utah State's won three of five. BYU's won 15 of 20. So we're still in that range where let's see it for a few more years. Do we really know if this thing is really, really flipped? But I think a BYU win tonight kind of stops the bleeding. Uh, Utah State can no longer claim uh, you know, back-to-back home wins, for example, which they are trying to do for the first time since the early 1970s. Uh, the last time they won three in a row overall against BYU last time was the early 1970s. So if you're having to reach that far back, you really haven't made the biggest dent yet. Again, it, it, I think it'll take a couple more years of sustained success for Utah State to get there. But this is a good way to kind of put that, uh, put a halt to it and, and again, uh, can maybe reassert a bit of a historical trend relative to the old wagon wheel. Well, and, and outside of just this rivalry game tonight, bigger picture on the season, an opportunity for BYU to win the rivalry games, have a winning percentage in the rivalry games this season. One of Kalani Stocky's uh, found pillars of this program is beat the rivals and you get a chance yep. to get over 500 this year. And, 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 and for, for Kalani, uh, a chance to get back over 500 as a head coach, right? I think his record right now would be 23-23. Uh, and 23. He's coached 46 games. I think he's right dead even right now. So another one of those things, too. Again, be on the top side. Be on the advantageous side of all those things. And tonight's a good way to get you there. If you go home, uh, you go home to Liberty, home to Idaho State, and at UMass, you play your cards right, you put yourself on a pretty good roll heading into the postseason. And you could really flip this thing around from where it was after losing to South Florida to where it could be a month and a half from now. Ben, it's a pretty radical transformation, but I really do think it hinges on this result here tonight. You don't win here tonight, well, you're back to the old up-down, win-one-lose-one situation and trying to gain some traction. You win here tonight, you have a good chance, a good chance to play your cards right and take care of business to get on a nice roll heading into the postseason. I think tonight is huge, a linchpin game for BYU. Well said, Greg. Thanks so much. Look forward to hearing more from you and Riley coming up in about a half an hour. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ben. Hey, after a quick break, our weekly view from the sidelines with Mitchell Jurgens. Cougar pregame live continues next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. The BYU Cougars are getting ready to face the Utah State Aggies in Logan at Maverick Stadium. I'm Ben Bagley, live from the BYU Radio Studios in Provo. And joining me now from Maverick Stadium in Logan, Utah, former Cougar receiver and current, current sideline reporter Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing, Ben? You know, I'm happy to have you on the show today. I'm happy to have you on the show. It, yeah, you know what? This, this is good. You know what? I, I know the players and the coaches enjoy the bye weeks, plural. I just want to play. I just want to watch college football. Let's let's play. Let's watch a game. That makes me hey, excited. It's, hey, it's time. I'm, I'm, the clock says 59 minutes, and 
Six seconds till kickoff, so we're, we're, we're under an hour. Let's st- oh, under an hour to game time. Let's go. Hey, let's start here with the bye weeks. Was the second bye week a good thing for BYU right now at this point of the season coming off of the Boise win, or would it have been better to have this team continue the momentum going forward? You know, the way that I look at bye weeks, um, it, to me, they're always positives. Um, you know, when you when you can take a week for more rest, you know, more time for players to get healthy, um, you know, more time to prepare for your opponent and, you know, from the quarterback position, more time for, you know, offensive players to build chemistry with their quarterback. It's it, to me, it's always a positive. Um, when I look at that last, um, you know, coming off the bye week previously in this season uh, when we played Toledo, I, I don't necessarily contribute that loss to a bye week. Um, in, my, in my opinion, it had nothing to do with it. And so when I when you look at this, I mean, you got a big rivalry game coming up. Guys are getting amped. They're getting excited. And, and to have more time to prepare for Utah State, in my opinion, it's, it's only a positive. Well, you look at that and you mentioned the, the time for quarterbacks to get, get better chemistry with their receivers. And I, I mean, you, you speak from that from a personal point of view. But this week, the, for two weeks, is it going to be Jaron or is it going to be Baylor? That was the question. Greg just said Kalani Sataki told him in the pregame interview that they will start with Jaron Hall tonight. Now, BYU played their cards close to the vest, didn't reveal it publicly that they were going to announce Jaron. I'm assuming, because having seen this done in the past, the team probably knew earlier this week. But as you go through that week and a half period where you don't know who that starting quarterback is going to be, how does that affect preparation from the BYU standpoint? Yeah, so so once again, in my opinion, I mean, it, it shouldn't affect anybody but the quarterbacks battling for the job. Um, you know, you can probably argue that the position group it would affect the most, if any, would be the wide receivers um, and tight ends. Um, but, you know, when I, when I was a former receiver, my, my personal job wasn't affected by who was in at quarterback, whether it was Taysom Hill, Tanner Mangum, Christian Stewart, whoever was back there, it, it didn't matter because I had a job to do, and that was to find the open holes, get open and man coverage, and, and catch the ball. Um, you know, the question after that that others may pose is, you know, what about building chemistry with a quarterback? How does that affect if you don't know who the guy is? And, you know, it, that's where I would say get more reps after practice. Um, if you don't know, just put in the extra work to prepare for both scenarios, which in in most everyone's cases, it's going to be a benefit because that's more reps, more uh, more routes run with, you know, whether it's two different quarterbacks. In, in, in my case, it doesn't really matter. And so I think it's it's a it's a huge um, you know it's not going to affect the players as much as it should. You go defensively, and who cares who's the starting starting quarterback? You've got a job to shut down the Utah State offense, and, and that's it. It doesn't matter what's going on on the other side of the ball. Um, so I don't think it's going to affect too much. Um, now that there is, you know, we, we do have word that Jaron's going to be the starter. I'm excited to see what he does and and how the players react to to that uh, to that call. Let me flip the script on that question just a little bit on you. Is uh, for I talked to Gary Anderson earlier this week, and you'll hear that conversation coming up in just a moment. I talked to him about how does it affect his team in preparing for one of two guys, not knowing who's who it's going to be. That being said, I mean you were an offensive guy, so it didn't matter necessarily what the other team was doing at quarterback. But you talked to your teammates defensively when you you don't know which quarterback you're preparing for how does that affect your preparation yeah i mean you, in that sense you have to prepare for both scenarios 
Um, so, so you're going to cover a little bit wider of a gap, I, I guess you could say, uh, from the defensive side of the ball saying, hey, we've, you know, because when you look at in BYU scenario, two different quarterbacks with two different styles, you, if, if the quarterback's Jaron Hall, you've got to, as a defense, be prepared for his ability to hurt you with his legs. Um, and so there is a little bit more of a variety in your scheme um, and in your preparation. But, you know, in my opinion, that only helps you. It, um, whatever is thrown at your way, I mean, coming into a football game, that you have no idea what's going to happen. You have no idea what injuries are going to take place. And so the, the wider, I guess, your preparations can be, um, I think it's only to a benefit. And, um, and so in you know, Utah State's case, they, they didn't really know who it was going to be. But I, you know, I'm, I'm very confident knowing this, who this Utah State team, Utah State team is. They're going to come out prepared. And whoever the quarterback was, they were going to get after it. So. Uh, one of the guys on the Utah State defense, that, I mean, he, he's an elite player in college football. He's an all-conference linebacker. He'll be an NFL draft pick next year, David Woodward. When you watch this guy play football, Mitch, what stands out to you? Man, it, it's incredible. What, you know, the, the other thing that's, that's impressive is you just look at his stat line through seven games. He's got a full season of stats um, in, in just seven games. I mean, you know, just going through the highlights, just under 100 tackles, five tackles for loss, two sacks, four forced fumbles, and a recovery. That's a that's a you know an all conference season already in just seven games. I mean, this guy's incredible. You can tell he's a leader of this defense, and and um, he can rally his troops in a way that others can't. I mean, it's just impressive how he not only leads by, um, I mean, he he leads by example. He does the job. He gets. Um, he's where he's supposed to be, and I mean, just an impressive, impressive player to watch. And last thing for you, let's go back to the BYU side of the ball. Matt Bushman, and we we know how special he is, but against Boise State, he really had a breakout game. First game over 100 yards, first multiple touchdown game from Matt Bushman. Is that just the beginning of what we're going to see from Matt Bushman? <laughs> Man, Ben, this his his college career is just the beginning. You know, we're <laughs> we're watching we're watching a a tight end that has true NFL potential. Um, and he's going to be playing on Sundays. It's, I mean, it's just impressive what he's been able to do. Um, now, you know, I know his two touchdowns last week were wide open plays, but Matt Bushman has proven that he's a, he's the kind of guy that doesn't need separation to make a play. And I and I hope the coaches recognize that and continue to look for ways to get him in the ball despite what the defense is dialing up you know, with attempts to contain him. Uh, we've seen earlier in the season he has a breakout game, and then you know, knowing that Matt Bushman is the playmaker of this BYU offense, they start to hone in on that and, and double team him in ways and and start to take away his ability to make big plays and we've seen the offensive coaches actually start to you know look other ways and hey he's covered they're gonna um, let's you know try and take him away so let's highlight some other people in the group Um, but in my opinion whether that guy's double teamed whether he's covered you've got to get him the ball because he's gonna he's he's a playmaker he's gonna go up and over people he's gonna make the contested catches and he's the type of guy that needs seven plus targets a game Um, I think this is just the beginning I think you know what these coaches saw, you know, how much getting him involved is going to help your team win games. They've got to go back to that and continue the rest of the season using him on every single drive and doing their best to get him the ball as much as they can. All right, Mitch, bundle up, get warm. We'll talk to you down on the sidelines throughout the game. Hey, will do. Thanks, Ben. On the other side, we'll go across the field and talk to Utah State head coach Gary Anderson. Wait till you hear what he has to say about Kyrus Tonga. That's next on Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network.
This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. We're getting you ready for BYU and Utah State. Earlier this week, I talked to head coach of the Utah State Aggies, Gary Anderson, Coach Anderson, and Kalani Sataki. have known each other for a long time. In fact, Coach Anderson hired Kalani at SUU in 2003. Then he brought him to his defensive staff as linebackers coach at the University of Utah. Then again, hired him as defensive coordinator at Oregon State. I began our conversation asking Coach Anderson how their relationship has evolved through the years. Oh, I think... Uh... All positive, I guess I would say, because as you look at that, Kalani and I have, have obviously been very, very close for a number of years, and you know, I've watched his family grow from uh, young kids to uh, now they're all grown up and moving along in life, some of them, as they go through time. It's crazy how, how fast time goes, but really it kind of, stands, kind of stands still. And to watch him go through his progression from you know, a position coach to a coordinator and move himself into the head coaching position, and you know, I still remember the day at Oregon State when he came in and said that uh, – you know, he had an opportunity to be the head coach at BYU and just the, the, the excitement that he had. And, and I was excited also. You know, sorry to lose him, obviously, him and Eliza. That was a tough loss for us. But, uh, you know, the ability for him to continue to grow as a coach was awesome to be a head coach. And just, you know, a great fan, great friend, um, extremely solid family man. I think our relationship has, has grown of one that uh, we've always had trust. But, uh, you know, when you're in the position that, you're, that, that we're both in and that we've been in through time, um, there's, there's just uh, you're there for each other and the good and bad and the and different and that's that's the way it's always been that's why i think it's a special relationship well when you've been in the business for 20 plus years uh like the both of you have at this point and you learn some lessons along the way and you also find mentors and, and kalani has t- said earlier this week that you, he considers you as well as kyle and lavelle three of the biggest mentors in his coaching career what is one piece of advice at some point along the way in, in your relationship with kalani that you gave him that you can see from the outside looking in that he's utilized well, I think he just does a great job of, of uh, you know, blocking out the noise and staying with his team. And those are the that, – that's, that's – it's much easier to do when everything's good than when it's average or bad in that situation. But it just – Kalani's always seemed to stay, you know, steady Eddie and stay in the moment and, and stay with his kids and make sure that it's uh, – when it's good, the kids get the credit. When it's, uh, when it's bad, you challenge the kids. Um, you challenge yourself, but you also, you know, look in the mirror and uh, – you know, point point the finger at yourself a little bit early with with holding the other people around you accountable, including your assistant coaches. And I think he's done a great job with that. And it, it, it's evident that uh, the kids in his program, you know, um, have great respect for Kalani and and know that he's going to do all he can to help him win football games. But I think the kids at BYU also have done a great job over the year. This is just my opinion of understanding that there is no crystal ball, there is no magic wand. Players make plays, players win games, and and those kids seem to always rally back everything that I which is not much, but it seems that they always come back and play. When they get in a bad moment, they came back and they battle their tails off, um, uh, whatever the game situation is or whatever the scenario the week before was. What does this rivalry mean to Aggies and Cougar fans alike? Well, I think it's become a rivalry again, right, which is uh, it's special when it's, when it's extremely lopsided. Um, it's, it's really not a rivalry. You can say on one side it's a rivalry, on the other side it's a rivalry, but if it's just not um, a competitive game year in and year out, then it's not really a rivalry, and this thing has been very competitive for a number of years now. And I remember when we came here the first time, it was extremely lopsided, and we were able to you know, get that to uh, that 
fortunate win which is huge for this program and now it's grown into a back and forth rivalry so it's uh it's a it's a great deal, you know the the wagon wheels back. Um, I remember when we were able to get the the wagon wheel the first time. We had to drive back down to Provo, and I think they found it in some back room, and it was all full of dust. Uh, but now it means something again. So uh, that's that's something special that the kids get to play for, and the fans get to have to you know to be part of. And it's just like you said, bottom line. Now it's a rivalry, and that's what makes it special. That's a great story. Having to drive down with the 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 duster. Steve Wiley did it. it. <laughs> yep, the late Steve Wiley got in there, and uh, I guess they pulled it out of some back room somewhere where it was uh, hadn't left that spot for very long. <laughs> now it's fun to have it back and be part of the deal. Looking at this game and prep for this game, BYU, uh, Baylor, Romney, Jaron Hall, they haven't made an announcement who's going to start at the quarterback as of yet on, sa- oh, on Saturday. Oh, Ronnie told me last night. Oh, he did? Okay. So yeah. Can you tell yeah. us? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as a head coach, how do you prepare your team no, with, that, with that uncertainty? Does it change the way you prepare? Uh, no, not really. Not with those two guys. Um, you know, it's uh, you look at the offense as a whole, and you know BYU's just they they evolve every single week. And what they do on offense, they're going to keep you off pace regardless of who the quarterback is. And you look at the BYU game, and there's just you know three gigantic plays that they were able to um, execute at a high level and scored three big touchdowns on. And obviously, there was another touchdown in there that gave them the victory. But um, it's the whole of the offense. It's not necessarily a quarterback, regardless of who's playing. It's I think it's very well conceived. I think it's uh, it keeps you off pace, and uh, you know they mix and match it very well. And that's a, that's a credit to the players first and foremost always. But I think the coaches do a nice job of staying creative, um, regardless of who the quarterback is. BYU fans are familiar with a couple guys from your team. Obviously, Jordan Love, a very talented quarterback on the offensive side, and David Woodward, uh, linebacker, uh, there, there for the Aggies. But who else should BYU fans keep an eye on come Saturday? Well, we, you know, we, we need to get the throw game going uh, and get it going effectively. So it's hopefully that crew of receivers. And without singling out one of them, I think we have some gifted young men that can make some plays. And um, that needs to be, uh, you know, a forefront of uh, this football game as, as we move into it here. Um, so I would say the receiving core as a whole, um, they're good. They're talented um, on paper. And like we've, we need to be able to get them going and get them into the mix. And Gerald Bright, our running back, when he gets a crease, is a, is a very talented football player. Um, and, you know, on the defensive uh, defensive side of the football, I think as a whole, you know, Teepa has done a nice job with that, with the defensive front. Um, they've been able to do some good things this season. Um, but I think, you know, when we've played well um, on defense, it's really been not one standout this week or a standout for three or four weeks. It's been really good, solid defense, which has been great to see in team defense, much the same as I see BYU play on film. It's very, very similar as far as their sound. They play well, they tackle, they run to the football, and they kind of feed off each other. Um, and then, you know, the good thing is, lastly, and not definitely least, is our special teams with our three conference wins um, were able to change the game dramatically in our favor. You know, Savon Scarver is a special, special returner. Um, when he gets the ball in his hands, I doubt he'll get an opportunity to get the ball in his hands probably for the rest of the season. But uh, you know, when he does, he's extremely dangerous. But our special teams has really done some things that have allowed us to make some special plays. Coach Gary Anderson joining us here on Cougar Pregame Live. When you watch Kyrus Tonga on film, what do you see? Oh, extremely, you know, a talented, talented football player that that has the the ability to stay disciplined and play within the unit, but makes those special plays when he's given the opportunity. I think that's the biggest thing for any um, player that can be 
you know, elite, I guess, if you will. He plays within his scheme, which is not the easiest thing to do all the time, and, and especially in those positions. But um, he does, uh, and just uh, I like the way he consistently goes snap after snap after snap. Um, He's a really good football player, and he's somewhere. You know, it's, it's always a credit when you can say as a coach, you got to know where you got to know where the guy is, um, because he can change the game. If you don't know where he is, it's hard enough to not have him change the game when you know where he is, and that's a that's the ultimate compliment to a player, in my opinion. Coach, thanks so much for your time. Uh, look forward to a good game in Logan on Saturday. Okay, appreciate it. Go Aggies. A good interview there with head coach Gary Anderson as he prepares to face BYU tonight here on the. BYU News Skin Sports Network coming up next. We'll wrap things up on Cougar Pregame Live and turn things over to Greg Rebell as they get you ready for kickoff of BYU versus Utah State. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. And that'll wrap things up for Cougar Pregame Live. Coming up next, it's the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rebell and Kalani Sataki. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to get head coach Kalani Sataki's thoughts on today's game. It's the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show. Zions Bank. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Let's join Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening, Cougar football fans. Welcome inside Maverick Stadium on the Utah State University campus here in Logan, Utah. Tonight, the Cougs look to make it back-to-back wins while ending Utah State's string of consecutive wins over the Cougars. It's BYU and USU for the right to roll the old wagon wheel. I'm Greg Rubel. Tonight's play-by-play, my broadcast partner, is a guy who once upon a time was a star in these parts, a high school record setter for Logan High School, who became a freshman folk hero for Utah State. He then went on to do great things as a quarterback for BYU. He is, of course, the slinging, scrambling southpaw, Riley Nelson. And, uh, Riley, your roots here run deep, but so does your passion for BYU. And I know that you're fired up by, well, first of all, how the Cougars played in their last game against Boise and for what might be in store down the stretch. Yeah, I'm as fired up, I think, as anybody because they were for years, and I know there are other Cache Valley natives that would come to this stadium and knowing that this game was going to be a blowout. But I don't expect that here tonight. I expect a hotly contested game. And as you mentioned, the other reason why I'm excited is because I'm excited to see the Cougars finally put their Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hot, you know, win one, lose one but behind them and build after the great win two weeks ago against Boise build on that you think if you're capable of beating Boise State you're capable of beating Utah State and really everybody that's left on your schedule at the same time when you have wins notched against USC and Tennessee even even though they maybe aren't you know in the in their perennial years you don't think you're capable of losing to Toledo and USF so that's the thing I'm most excited to see about this Cougar football team and I have a lot of reason for optimism to believe that they will continue to build on that Boise win and uh, make it two in a row here tonight. After the Boise win came BYU's second bye week. It was time enough to help Jaron Hall clear the concussion protocol and get back into action. Since he was the starter when he was injured in his last game, it would stand to reason that he'll get the starting job back tonight. 
to get that confirmation, and he's already really done so. We'll hear from BYU head coach Kalani Sitake coming up next as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. And the coach's pregame interview is coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the coach of the Cougars. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Here once again is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Tonight here in Logan, the BYU Cougars and Utah State Aggies meet up for the 89th time. BYU seeking its 49th win. The Aggies looking to extend their streaks over BYU to three wins overall and two wins here at home for the first time since the early 1970s. BYU's had a different starting quarterback in each of its last three games this season. Zach Wilson started at Toledo, was injured late in the game. BYU lost the game. Jaron Hall replacing Wilson and starting at South Florida. Then he was injured late in the game. BYU lost the game. Then Baylor Romney replaced Jaron Hall and started versus Boise State. He was not injured, and BYU won the game. Now Jaron Hall's again healthy, and it was presumed he'd retake his position as the starting quarterback. In our pregame interview for the, with head coach Kalani Sitake, brought to you by Zions Bank for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. The Cougars head coach talks about his plan for the quarterback position tonight against the Aggies. Yeah, we think that Jaron will start the game tonight, and that we've had a mixture of both of them uh, battling with uh, both, both meaning Baylor, Romney, and Jaron Hall having some issues to, to work with this week, and so uh, right now it uh, seems like Jaron's going to be taking the first snap. Jaron is a more maybe complete package to defend in terms of a guy that can do some things with his legs, as we saw in his last game of South Florida. Yeah, I think the, the key was just to get him healthy and uh, have him go through the protocol. We feel really good with him, having extra time to get ready, and um, you know, this is, I think this is the best group for us to get a chance to get a victory. And with Zach still recovering, you know you've got two guys who've performed in pretty high-pressure situations and gotten you some results. That's positive. Yeah, I mean, we, we never want to go into the season thinking you have to use third-string guys, but uh, it's nice to know that we have third-string guys, not just the quarterback position, but at every position that can help us win. You're getting some O-linemen back as well this mm-hmm. week. Yeah, looking forward to getting Keanu Saliaponga back, and, and uh, Tristan Hawes is still a hold. Um, but we're getting Keanu back, and then he'll help us uh, with, the, with the O-line front and with the depth there as well. How do you feel this offense has uh, come together as a group and a unit in terms of identi- or establishing an identity at this point in the season? Yeah, I think they have an identity. I think that the key is for us to own the line of scrimmage. It's going to be the key on both sides of the ball, but specifically with our O-line, um, seeing a lot of new bodies up there. I thought they did great last week, you know, our, our last game against Boise, and I'm looking forward to getting, creating and maintaining the momentum that we have from that game. You never want to say blessing in disguise necessarily, but the fact that Clark Barrington and Blake Freeland were able to come in and, and I think play so well despite the personnel losses speaks well to that group, doesn't it? Yeah, and Coach Mateos and Coach Grimes being able to get them ready. I think the kids, they work extremely hard, and, and I, I credit them and their preparation and also the prep that our coaches have getting them ready for the stage. Defensively this week, uh, you suffered uh, a personnel loss, and I guess it was in practice that Lorenzo Fawatea went out. He won't be available to you tonight? Yeah, and then uh, so he won't be playing this this week. Hopefully we can get him back next week, but um, it's an unfortunate part of the game, and, and uh, just hate seeing that happen to a great young man that's making made a lot of progress. But he'll be on the sideline with us and then be able to you know work with Naisamahe and, and get him going, and uh, we're going to have to dip into our depth a little bit with the loss of Earl Mariner from the season. Zoe had been playing really well of late, hadn't he? He has, and, and, and uh, his leadership skills are, are 
unbelievable as well. So we'll have to, since he can't make plays with pads on, he'll have to do it with his leader on the sideline. How good was the bye week for this program, or how good do you hope it will have been when you take the field tonight? Yeah, I think it will show. I think the guys uh, worked extremely hard. We had extra time when Utah State, and it seems like a long time, and it's finally here, and the guys are amped up, ready to play this game. How much do you think of what we saw at Air Force Academy is the real Utah State from last week? No, I, I think the elements, were, I've said this before, were a big part of that, and we're expecting their best shot, and like I said before, we, we need to make sure they get ours, and uh, looking forward to sustaining that for a full 60 minutes. Your offense isn't the Air Force offense, but what are some things that you'd hope to capitalize on that maybe you saw Air Force do really well last week? As I mentioned earlier, it's the line of scrimmage. I thought Air Force O-line dominated the line of scrimmage against a, a good D-line from Utah State, and we have to see the same kind of uh, you know progress that we need to see in production from our O-line, and we do that, I think that, that'll be a good a good night for us on both sides of the ball. How good is how good a quarterback is Jordan Love from the guys you've seen so far this year? Definitely the next level quarterback and he's got all the tools and uh, he's got the mentality for it and that's always a, a you know a, a, a tough task when you're going against some great team, to great talent like Jordan Love and he's going to find ways to spread the ball. They have some great uh, talent in the skill positions, a tight end and receiver and running back so um, get the own line scrimmage and get to the quarterback and disrupt his timing. Beyond the LOS, uh, any other factors that you think will, when we look back on this thing tonight, you'll say this did or didn't happen that helped us? Well, I mean, you're always going to look at the turnovers. It's for us is create turnovers on defense and then capitalize on them and to make them, make them into touchdowns. So, uh, And I think the, the uh, special teams game is going to be huge for us. They have a great uh, bunch of returners on kickoff return and punt return, so we're going to have to really uh, you know, keep it maintained and contain them for blowing out and and getting some touchdowns that they've had in, in, in the season so far that we've seen. How fired up are your guys for this game when it comes to being a rivalry game and an in-state game and all of that? I think they're excited to get on back on the field. The fact that we know these guys really well and that we're familiar with them and we play them every year I think plays into it. Same thing with the Boise game last time. So I think the guys are excited that there's a bunch of guys that they know they've played. Uh, the upperclassmen have been used to playing against these guys for some number of years and they've got the better of us the last couple of years and we're looking to get it back. Okay, you never know what you're going to get when you make a trip to Logan in November, but we've got clear skies, there's no wind. Yes, it's going to be cold, but in terms of other weather, everything held off. Yeah, this is great weather. This is great November football weather, and so uh, I think it was colder on Halloween doing trick-or-treat, so our guys are going to be excited to play this game, and uh, like I said before, just get warmed up by running a lot and making some big plays. Good to be back here in the Cache Valley for BYU and Utah State. Kalani, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you post-game. Thank you. Let's go. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake bringing us to the Homie home field advantage brought to you by Homie, who reminds you that there's no place like home playing in front of Cougar fans who have your back. Homie's got your back, saving you sweet cash when buying or selling a home. Call it your Homie home field advantage. And tonight we talk about the success that BYU has historically enjoyed on the Aggies home field dating back to the mid-1970s. Since 1975, BYU has won 12 of 16 meetings with the Aggies here in Logan, including two of the last three, and six of the last eight here in Cache County. As we take this time out, a reminder that title and escrow can be complicated with over 50 years' experience in Utah. Provo Land Title has the expertise to navigate your buying, selling, or building project. Provo Land Title, making the complicated easier. Our look ahead to BYU and Utah State continues right after this. You've been listening to the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show live from Maverick Stadium in Logan on the new skin BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the coach of the Cougars. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Here once again is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 
We have heard from BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. Welcome back, Cougar Nation. Welcome inside Maverick Stadium in Logan, Utah. Tonight, the 3-4 and four Cougars and 4-3 and three Aggies. BYU coming off a win over 14th-ranked Boise State two weeks ago, followed by a bye week. The Aggies were on the road and getting a flummoxed by the Falcons at Air Force in a 31-7 setback one week ago tonight. And welcome into the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show. I'm Greg Grubel with my commentary colleague Riley Nelson in the broadcast booth. We are joined by on-site engineer Barry Squires, statistician Ralph Sokolowski, our spotter Jake Murphy. Our pregame halftime and postgame host is Ben Bagley in for Jason Shepard down on the field. Former BYU wideout Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting for us from the Zions Bank end zone. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. The rest of our broadcast crew consisting of BYU Radio engineer Sean Faye, coordinating producer Terry South, control board operator Tanner Rall, as well as broadcast interns Jeffrey Carroll at BYU Radio and intern Max, Max Clark here at Maverick Stadium. This is the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And we are coming to you live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, satellite flagship, BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. We're also on BYU Radio 89.1 FM HD2, as well as KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're on network affiliates in the West, and we are streaming live globally on the BYU Radio, BYU Cougars, and KSL Radio apps. We're also at BYURadio.org and BYUCougars.com slash live radio. Here are the archives, quarter by quarter, plus highlights and interviews at BYURadio.org and on the very useful BYU Football Podcast. Well, two weeks ago, BYU looked very good in beating ranked Boise State with the Cougs starting their number three quarterback. It was a week of considerable change on and off the field, and the team responded tremendously while battling the war of attrition that had BYU down multiple players at quarterback, running back, and the offensive line. Riley, it was a gutsy effort that seemed really to me rooted in intensity and emotion. Now the question becomes whether BYU can replicate that effort as we head down the stretch. You could see that intensity and emotion after BYU converted on that fourth and inches to secure the win. With two minutes left, fourth and inches on their own 35, Kalani was out there, you know, celebrating, chest bumping the whole team. You could see that intensity and emotion. Now, I hope this doesn't come down to a fourth and inches on our own 35 and we have to convert again. If it does, I like our team's chances. But there was a there was a shift that we saw a different BYU team against Boise State, and we there a lot was talked about the shifting in the coaches. Grimes came Grimes came down on the sideline. It was talked about that they you know approached the defensive game plan completely different. But Kalani has stressed in every pre and post game interview, and even the halftime interviews with Mitch, the ownership that the players in this program must take, and. The coaches made their adjustments and were able to produce, uh, in my opinion, the coaching adjustments were able to produce a win against Boise State. If they're going to continue this trend throughout the rest of the season, the players have to take ownership. And in a hostile rivalry environment on the road, that's what's going to be the difference in the game here tonight. On this blackout night at Maverick Stadium here in Logan, we've got more of the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show coming up after we remind you that this season, BYU football and Mountain America Credit Union are changing lives For each field goal BYU makes, Mountain America will donate $500 to the American Red Cross to help fund humanitarian services and programs. When we come back, a closer look at BYU's quarterback situation with Jaron Hall back to full health and Zach Wilson on his way back. You're listening to the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show, live from Maverick Stadium in Chili Logan on the new skin BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Kickoff Show continues 
Let's head back to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth with Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Back inside Maverick Stadium in Logan where the Utah State Aggies have, have scored 34 points or more in each of their 10 straight wins in this building. Yes, it's a 10-game home win streak for Utah State. Now, BYU does get to Jaron Hall back at quarterback tonight, and until he got knocked out of his first career start at South Florida, he was playing pretty well, uh, making plays with his legs as well as his arms. Riley, he was as dynamic and athletic a signal caller as we've seen really since Taysom Hill. Now, not to compare Jaron straight across to Taysom, I'm just saying they're both big, strong guys who force defenses to account for a guy who can take off and move the sticks. No question, and really a guy who can move who can move this chains with his legs helps you not just on third downs but also in the red zone, increasing the margin of error and uh, the hope is that Jaron Hall can come out and take a page out of Baylor Romney's book and be as decisive, throw with anticipation and accuracy so that he really is the complete player and I think that's a great possibility here tonight. All right, time now for You Be the Judge, brought to you by Legally Mine. Legally Mine equals asset protection. Go to LegallyMineUSA.com to learn what you can do to stop lawsuits dead in their tracks. And this evening, it's an NCAA football rules scenario and question. A wide receiver and a defensive back simultaneously catch the ball while both players are off the ground, and the defensive back returns to the ground inbounds before the wide receiver does. Does the ball belong to the defensive back's team or the wide receiver's team? The answer next as the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show continues from Logan on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Getting you geared up for game time. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Leading up to BYU and Utah State. First up, the answer in tonight's NCAA football rules. Question in our You Be the Judge feature brought to you by Legally Mine. Here's the scenario. A wide receiver and a defensive back simultaneously catch the ball with both players off the ground, and the defensive back returns to the ground inbounds before the wide receiver does. Does the ball belong to the defensive back's team or the wide receiver's team? The ruling is no simultaneous catch. The legal forward pass is completed or intercepted by the player who first returned to the ground. In this case... The DB wins the tie. And that's you be the judge presented by Legally Mine. All right, BYU tight end Matt Bushman enters tonight's game leading BYU in receptions and receiving yards just as he has done in each of the last two seasons, preceding two seasons. This year, he also paces BYU in receiving touchdowns and yards per catch. Now, Bushman's consistency and leadership, very valuable commodities, no doubt. And they also beg the question, can your offensive can your offense be as explosive as you'd like it to be if the tight end is always the big play go-to guy? Now, Riley, you were a quarterback at BYU who relied more on the wide receivers and the running backs. Tight ends weren't maybe as dominant in your offenses. So in many ways, you play the card you're dealt. And BYU's actually been dealt a really winning hand in the presence of Matt Bushman. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough to be on the 2009 team, which was famous for, it was Max Hall's senior year, Austin Collie had just gone to the NFL, and the predominant playmakers, in addition to Harvey Younger in the backfield, were Pitta. Dennis Pitta yeah. and Andrew George. Yeah. Great compliment, and that offense was extremely explosive. They produced, they fi- We finished that season ranked 14th in the country with an 11-2 and record. I did have, you know, I had a couple tight ends. Look, when you have Cody Hoffman, you have Jamal Williams, Michael Lisa, J.J. DeLuigi in the backfield, Cody Hoffman, Ross Apo, J.D. Falsa. That's a lot of weapons to go around and spread the ball out to. But, but in 2012, which was my senior year, Connie Akua Friel, now his season is not much remembered because he tore his hamstring in the middle of it, but he actually finished second on that team in touchdowns with five touchdowns. But I say that to point out that the fact that yet your tight end 
whether he's explosive from a yardage standpoint, hopefully he's explosive once you get inside the 20. And Bushman was able to score on a couple big-time play actions last week. Uh, whether or not that happens, you know, if he gets catches of 30 or 40 doesn't concern me as much as once we get it, once BYU gets inside the 20s, if he, he's able to make those key plays that lead to touchdowns. All right, coming up, more from Riley Nelson. And we check in with our sideline guy, Mitchell Jurgens as the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show continues live from Maverick Stadium in Logan on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You are listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. Running to the right side and right into scoring territory. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now let's get back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, before Riley Nelson was a BYU Cougar, he was a Utah State Aggie. And not only did the Nelson name precede Riley's playing days in Logan, the Nelson family name remains a part of the current Aggie roster. Riley, you are pulling for a BYU win tonight, I know. But you and your family members have a personal interest on the other side of the field tonight. Explain briefly how the Nelsons are tonight uh, maybe a bit of a house divided. My youngest brother, Chase, is uh, he plays mostly on special teams. He's uh, the fifth-string running back, so he probably won't get much carries. But he's uh, contributed so far this season, got his hand on a punt earlier this year, and you know has made a few tackles here and there. But I, perhaps it's most easily how we divide up our house, or at least how the loyalties lie. First of all, we have four generations going back of Aggies on both my mother and my dad's side. So there's no uprooting that. Uh, there's no replacing that. But our little boy, Lewis, who's two years old, he knows how to say go Aggies and go Cougars. But today on the drive up, it was go Cougars and go Uncle Chase. So that's our approach <laughs> to tonight's game. Let's bring in now our sideline reporter, Mitchell Jurgens from the Zions Bank end zone for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. And Mitch, when you come to Logan this time of year, you could get anything in the way of weather, but tonight we got lucky. Man, Greg, what a it's a beautiful day for football. Um, you know, unlike last game against Boise, there is no wind and no rain. So despite the very low temperature here at Maverick Stadium, um, you know, it's, it's comfortably bearable and just a perfect night for a football game. Uh, so tonight the, there will be no excuses for limitations for both teams offensively. Utah State, uh, Utah State has a go-fast, go-hard offense who wasn't able to capitalize in the conditions last week against Air Force so I expect them to come out very eager to get back on pace to the way they perceive Aggie offense to be Um, and to speak to BYU this team unleashed a brand new team two weeks ago against Boise State and will be more than ready to bring that team here tonight against Utah State with all eyes on that wagon wheel to bring it back to Provo. Mitch, great stuff. Thank you. Riley Nelson's keys to the game, the coin toss, and the opening kick coming up. This has been the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.